What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back again. Another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 21. Dion, prime time. This is the prime time. Yeah, I thought y'all was going to let this episode go by and not talk about prime. You know, episode 21. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad and so thankful and so blessed that you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you have to do. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, Apple, Spotify, all your listening places. Leave a comment, five stars. Do us well. Do me well. Uh, um, make this a part of your everyday listening. And you guys know how I like to get down. I like to give my motivation, my positivity, my encouragement at the beginning, because let's be honest, some of you will not be here at the end. I am not for everybody, and I get that and understand that. So if you don't get anything else from me today, I want you to get a little bit of motivation in your life, and I hope that you stay for about 15, 20, 30. Hey, stay the whole hour. Why not? You know, But at least stay for 15 minutes. Uh, at least watch me for three times. Before you decide that I'm not for you, watch three episodes. I got 20. Today's 21 is enough. You can watch one from... The first one, you can watch one from week number two and watch one from week number three. I mean, there are enough episodes for you to figure out. Just pick any three. Go through it and say, hey, what's three that I think will be appetizing to me? And watch those 15 minutes. And then after, you just, after that, if you decide he's not for me, then I'm not for you. And I wish you all the best. But I like to believe. I like to believe that you'll enjoy yourself. I like to believe that you'll stay for a while. That you and I will become cool. All right? Um... But what I have for you today as we head into uh, this weekend, something very simple, but I think is very powerful. And it's simply this. This is from Joel Leon. He said, don't let your fears talk your heart out of rooms you deserve to be in. Don't let your fear talk your heart out of rooms you deserve to be in. That thing, that fear, it is a paralyzing thing to many of us. And I'm not talking just about you. I'm talking to me. That fear can keep us from truly maximizing our calling, can truly keep us away from walking in our destiny, can truly keep us away from the blessing that God has set out for us because of fear. And all fear wants to do, it, just, it wants to create doubt. And once it creates doubt, now it has this, um, um, this paralyzing fear, uh, this paralyzing effect on you. You're afraid to take that class, so you don't do it. You're afraid to go ahead and go back to school. You're afraid to go ahead into that relationship. You're afraid. And so it, it leaves this ability, of uh, this lack of ability for you to go out there and to truly be exactly who you deserve to be, to be in those rooms that you're supposed to be in. I can't tell you how many times that I've been places and I've been around people that before I got there, there was, there was this hint of fear that do you belong in these spaces? Do you belong in this place? And then I walked over that fear and I walked into those rooms. And not only did I walk into those rooms, but I controlled the rooms. I dictated the energy in the room. My purpose to be in that room was realized. And the room then began to gravitate towards me. They wanted to hear what I had to say. 
And these were people who made more money than me, who had more prestige than me, who had bigger degrees than I had, who had better houses than I had, who'd been to more foreign places than I've been. And, and it's an intimidating thing. But once I got over that level of fear, I realized that I deserve to be in that room. I realized I deserve to be in that space. When I won fourth and long with Michael Irvin, and I found myself in this locker room with all these guys, they, some of them looked at me as, as, as if I was just some gimmick. Some of them even said it. And at times I thought to myself, am I just here as a gimmick? Did, they, did, did I gimmick my way into a situation that I probably don't belong in? And then I realized, no. I am as talented than anybody in this room. Some had more talent than me. But I deserve to be in that room. I deserve to be in the locker room, the meeting room, the field. I deserve to have the star on my helmet. I deserved every bit of being in that space. And the fear could have paralyzed me to a point where I was removed from that room. What I deserved, I allowed fear to cheat me. So don't allow fear to cheat you out of spaces and places that you actually deserve to be in. You are bigger, you are better, you are stronger than the fear that is controlling you. You got to get control of you and you have to realize just how powerful you are. Your talents, your gifts, your, your purpose. And go into those rooms that you deserve to be in. And when you walk in there, don't walk into those rooms timidly. Don't walk into those rooms with your shoulders sunk in. Nah, walk into those rooms, chest, chest out, head up, like you deserve to be there, because you do. All right, man, let's get into this thing. Cowboys, Niners, this is going to be a fun one, y'all. We've done all the talk. The practices have been done. The game plan has been. When you get to this point in time of the week, Friday, two days, really a day before the game, you ain't doing too much adjusting. The game plan is in. The, the game plan is in unless there's some unforeseen injury that happened. And for the Cowboys, we saw that a couple weeks ago on Saturday. They practiced and Tyron Smith went on the injury report and then missed two weeks after that. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that you're going to do has been laid out in front of you. Good news for the Cowboys. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, they practice. They are in play right now to start. This will be the first time since 2021 that the Cowboys have had their full complement of offensive linemen. The guys that they projected to start for the season will be together. They hadn't had that since 2021. And boy, there is no time like the present that the Cowboys need a full complement of players, especially two dudes, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, two all pros, two potentially future Hall of Famers. You want that going up against this 49ers dominant defense. And when you watch the film, when you break this thing down, boy, is this so similar? I mean, both teams, both teams have quarterbacks. One's mystery relevant, the last pick in the NFL draft. The other one's a fourth-round pick who had to have Tony Romo get injured and Kellen Moore get injured in order for him to get his opportunity. 
Brock Purdy had to, to had to defeat Jimmy Garoppolo, porn star Jimmy. He also had to, 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 I don't know if he beat Trey Lance or Trey Lance beat himself, but he had to overcome those two guys. They gave the house up for Trey Lance. Understand that, people. They traded three first-round picks and moved up to the number three pick to take Trey Lance. Most of the time, that guy gets first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, ten, a hundred chances to prove himself to be the starting quarterback when you give up that much draft capital to acquire him. But Brock Purdy, for whatever reason, came in, did his thing, got injured last year against the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game, has come back faster than they thought he would, and is right back to where he left off, right back to his normal I'm balling status. And so when you look at these two football teams, they got Nick Bosa, the reigning defensive player of the year. They got We have Michael Parsons, the, 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 the runner-up to the defensive player of the year. Both of these guys are exceptional. Two great defenses. You have coordinators. You have players. I mean, this thing is, if the NFL script writers, they got in a bag with this one. You know, everybody say, oh, the NFL scripted. Everything is scripted. It's script this, script that. And this it's been written out. It's conspiracy theory. This. And if the NFL writers, I don't know if those writers were on strike with the rest of the writers. Let's get the writers back to work, ladies. This sidebar. Let's get the writers back to work. Those people need to make a living. We need to get our shows back up and running. But if the NFL script writers were writing a script, this right here, it's going to get an award. This game, Sunday night football, Cowboys, Niners, 3-1 versus 4-0. Dominant defense, dominant defense. Special offense, special offense. Players out the wazoo. You got George Kittles of the world. You got CeeDee Lamb of the world. You got Christian McCaffrey. You got Tony Pollard of the world. I mean, you name it, there is a, a absolute star at every single position. Couldn't ask for nothing else. To me, this thing is going to come down to a lot of want to. A lot of want to. I gave you guys the Uncle Ronnie story last episode. The Cowboys have to exercise the, the bully demons. They have to come from up out of the headlock when they the noogie. No more pulling up my draws. No more wedgies. No more stuffing me in the locker. No more treating me anyone, any kind of way that you want to treat me. You will now treat me with a level of respect, not only because I, I'm, I'm supposed to have it, but I'm going to demand it. I'm going to physically demand my respect. And that's what it really comes down to. You're talking about what, what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the phrase, Tay? It's the, it's the uh, immovable force meets the something object, immovable object or something like that. Yeah, movable object, something. That's this. Even down to where's the one place that the Cowboys have struggled at? The red zone, right? The Cowboys offense ranked 30th in the league at producing red zone scoring, touchdown scoring in the league at 36%. The 36% of the time. Now, they have been to the red zone more than any other team in the National Football League. But the Niners? 23rd. At stopping 66% of the time. So something has to give. <laughs> These two things going back and forth at one another, something has to give. Either the Cowboys are going to get in the red zone and they're going to score, or they're not, and the Niners are going to be able to do what they Something is going to show. 
This is this is a game that is made. This is a script. This is a perfect script. The perfect. When the, when the schedule makers were making this game, they were had their fingers crossed and they were like, boy, this is going to be great TV. I hope and pray that the quarterbacks are healthy and I hope and pray that both of these teams are where they're supposed to be. It really should be two 4-0 teams, but the Cowboys, they gave one up to Arizona. But, but this matchup is, this is going to be fun. This is, in the words of T.O., get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. Uh, Trent Williams, an offensive tackle, another future Hall of Famer for the Niners, said this is an ice bath game. So this is an ice bath game. So after this game, you get into the ice bag up to your neck because it's that physical. I do hope and pray that the referees in this game allow both teams to be physical. I, I, don't, I don't need all that. I don't want all that ticky-tacky stuff. Like, don't get in the way. This is one of the games where I don't want to see flags. I don't want to see referees injecting themselves into this game. Get out the way. Let these two heavyweights, I mean, just punch each other in the face. Not, not literally, because we know that Trent Williams, we, Trent Williams, I will punch you in the face. He's on record. Punch Richard Sherman in the face after a game when he was in Washington. He just punched somebody the other day against the Giants, but the Giants got gave a little sneak uppercut. Trent Williams will punch you in the face, like for real, for real, in the helmet. Like, but I want the referees get out the way. Let let these two titans of a team just go at it. Let there be a couple standing eight counts. Let there be a couple. Hey, you know, if you're gonna say something, hey, hey, watch the low blows, right? Pick it up. But let these two titans just slug this thing out, man. And it's. Like, I, I don't know what more or how to break this game down. If there is one weak point for the Niners defensively, I'll give you one weak point offensively, and I'll give you one weak point defensively for the 49ers. If you're going to attack the 49ers offensively, their weak point is the right side of their offensive line. Now, do you line Micah up over there? Do you allow Micah to battle Trent Williams on the other side, the left side? Do you say, no, Micah, I'm going to put you on the right-hand side, and we're just going to go to work? Now, they can counter that by bringing a tight end. They do that with George Kittle. The thing that they do to kind of help that right side is, like Dak Prescott in the Cowboys offense, ball comes out quick. 2.4, 2.5, 2.6 seconds. Ball's out. Look at his split. It, I mean, it comes out, boom, boom, boom. And Brock Purdy? Likes to throw the ball to the right-hand side a lot. Bubble screens, tunnel screens, flare passes, slants. He want to get his guys on the move in the middle of the field. George Kittle, Debo Samuels. Now, when he goes back to the left, a lot of Brandon Ayuk over there. Brandon Ayuk has 17 catches on the season. Out of, of his 17 catches for Brandon Ayuk, they've either been first down or touchdowns. That's it. So he's averaging over 10 yards a catch. First down, a touchdowns that he's had. He is, he, he is, if there's anybody that scares me, it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. Well, we have a consistent answer for Brandon Ayuk. But for the Niners, attacking that right side with pressure, with, with, with scheme, with stunts, getting that right side to give up the ghost and allow you to get to Brock Purdy. When Brock Purdy can stand in the pocket and deliver the ball freely, good quarterback. When he's back on his heels, and he's fading away and he's throwing off his back foot, not a good quarterback, not a very accurate quarterback. 
Got to find a way to do that. Defensively, a weak, spo- a weak spot for the Niners defensively that we can attack. We should attack. I think we will attack. The cornerbacks. Lenore um, is the main cornerback that you need to attack. They're going to play a lot of man-to-man coverage, cover three. They're going to play some cover two. They're not going to do much up front as far as mixing it up. They're going to trust their guys up front, the Niners, their front four, and allowing them to do what they do. I told you guys, this is a percentage defense. They're going to play the percentages. They say, yes, you may hit us one time. Yes, you may hit us two times. But if you go back to the well a third time, we're going to make you pay. And that's what they're banking on. If you think you can do a five or seven step drop, cool. You may work one time, but the next time, here comes Nick Bosa. Here, come, here, here comes Eric Armstead. Here comes Javon Hargrave. Here comes uh, Hufunga, the safety over the top for the interception. Very good safety play. Not so much uh, good cornerback play. So there's two spots that you want to kind of hit these guys. And then kind of the quiet thing, special teams. We saw last year in the playoff game, Kevontae Turpin. Kevontae Turpin had a touchdown. He did. I, I don't know what he saw. But for whatever reason, instead of going straight, he cuts it back in and gets tackled for like a 60-something yard game when it should have been a touchdown. That might have been the game breaker for the Cowboys. So keep a looking eye on that. They don't kick the ball deep into the end zone. 30-something percent of their, their kickoffs are returned. That's a high percentage in the league now where most of the kickoffs are touchbacks. 30-something percent of the, of the Niners' kickoffs are returned out. So maybe you find it, you find some space there, some hidden yardage there where you can flip the field. That, that's going to be key. That's going to be key in this game. So those are some of the weaknesses I look at when I see the Niners and say, you know what, we can exploit that, we can attack that, we can, we can make that a part of the game plan. Well, we'll see. It all, it all comes down to if we can actually do it. Because I can sit here and I can, I can map this thing out for you a hundred different ways. I'm not playing one snap on Sunday night. Honestly, I don't think if they let me play a snap on Sunday night, I could actually play a snap on Sunday. Nah, I can, I can. Boy, that would take a lot of stretching, a lot of. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need, a, I'm gonna need one of them shots in the butt. I am. Pause. I'm gonna need what? I'm gonna need that good drugs that the NFL has. I don't want to feel anything. But I don't know. Uh, you think it, you y'all think I got run down in 2011? Lord Jesus! If I got a, if I had a breakaway pass right now and it was 77 yards, 78 yards to the touchdown, I'm not getting 77 yards. I don't care how much will power I got. I might get 40. Might if the pass is 35 yards in the air. I'm. <laughs> If the pass is caught 35 yards down the football field, I might get 42 total yards. Might. I, I will be possession all day long, but that's not happening. This game will, this game will be too physical for me. I, I, it would take me a month to recover if I played in a football game Sunday night. But the Cowboys, man, this is and one of the real reasons why I I, I hope. Now you're gonna I, I'm I'm gonna sound very, very hypocritical here in a little bit because one of the things I do think the Cowboys have better now than they did before 
is I do believe that the offensive coordinator matters. I think not having Kellen Moore anymore will matter significantly. I think the new offense, the Texas Coast offense, I think this is the game that you really see it on full display because they're going to need all of it. They're going to need every they're going to need every run, they're going to need every pass, they're going to need every completion, they're going to need every scramble, they're going to need every single whatever is in the bag. Whatever's in the duffel, I don't care if the duffel's Louis, Gucci, Givenchy, Chanel, whatever's in the duffel, they're going to need it. Whatever Mike McCarthy's willing to bring to the table, they are going to need it to win this football game on Sunday. I think you're going to see it. I do. Um, this is going to be this is going to be one. And and, and mentally, because even if the Cowboys lose this game, it does not mean that the season is over. What it does mean is there's another seed that's been planted in the head of Cowboy coaches, front office, and players that maybe we just can't beat this team. And if we, you, I, us, believe that the Cowboys are, this is the Cowboys year, or the Cowboys can make a deep playoff run, sorry to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to have to go through one of two teams as it currently stands today. Football's fluid, injuries happen, things change. But if there's a plan for the Cowboys to take their talents to Vegas in February, you will have to beat the Eagles and or the Niners. Period. So not beating them now means that that's three games in a row that you didn't beat them. And it kind of gives them the mental upper hand. Because even now in this game, when you listen to the excuse me, when you listen to the Niners side of things, they speak more of it as it's just a game for us. Because I get it. To them, they're like, yeah, we've proven to y'all that we can actually beat y'all. Twice. In the last two years. We, we've, we've shown you that we're tougher than you. That we're more physical than you. It, that, that is evident. And that is factual. And when you hear them talk about it, they don't talk about it as if it's this, the magnitude of which Cowboy Nation talks about it. Cowboy Nation talks about this is, this is circling the calendar. I don't think the Niners, the Niners didn't circle this game on the calendar. Just my personal opinion. Cowboys did. Cowboys, when you listen to the way that the Niners coaches and players talk about this particular game, it's not the same way that the Cowboys coaches, front office, and players talk about this game. And that matters. I, I I don't know if, I, I don't know if they and I, I'm I'm not, I'm sure that the, that the Niners aren't taking this game lightly, but they aren't they aren't looking at this game as if win or lose that it's it means that much to them because they have the upper hand right now. It means a lot to the Cowboys, and not winning this football game will have a much more lingering effect on Cowboys on the Cowboys than if the Niners lost this game. I think if the Niners lost this game, they move on. They go on to the next week and they say, we'll see you again. It's almost like, we'll see you again. We'll see you. It, 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 the, the, the doubt hadn't prepped in their mind, but they'll just go, we'll see you again. Now, if you go out there and you, if they're healthy, quarterback stays in the game, they don't have any major injuries, and you dog walk them, I think now you create some doubt. I think there's some doubt because if you dog walk them after it's been two really tight contested games, now you might go, oh, 
ooh, 28-point victory. That's a that, that that's a dominating that's that's a that's a Bud Crawford Errol Spence type of performance. And that in a fighter creates doubt. When you get when you when you're one of the best and you get dog walked, you're not the same. There's a level of well, can I that comes into play. But the the, the Niners don't look at this game as big as the Cowboys look at this game. And and rightfully so. They're the big bros right now. Um, but we'll see. And here's the hypocritical part about what I, all that I said in this game. <laughs> here's the hypocritical part. You guys ready for the hypocritical part? I am picking the Niners to win this football game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do, is there ways you can beat the Niners? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And the Cowboys, I do believe, have the weapons and the players to do so. But until you do it, I don't know if I can trust it. Because on paper is one thing. I remember the boombox playing Super Grimmie. I didn't forget that. I didn't forget that. This team is not 4-0 because of luck. It's not. It's a good football team. A really, really. And they got better. Like, they got better as a team than the last time you played them. You got better. So if there was a small margin before and you got better and they got better, it still keeps the same margin. I don't know if you got that much better, but there's there are ways that the Cowboys can win this game. I hope that I, when I come back here on Monday that I have to eat my deep fried crow, fry my crow hard. I like my crow crispy, crispy skin on my crow. I hope that I have to come back and eat crow on Monday. And I won't be ha I won't be gloating and patting myself on the back if I come back on Monday and it's the opposite. That I was right that the Niners would win this football game. I just, until I've watched the last two games. I've watched it with, I've watched it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I've watched it with Brock Purdy. I've seen the last two games. And they've come out victorious. So I gotta, I got I, I can't, I'm not a homer. I'm not a homer, guys. You guys know me. I try to keep it real as I possibly can. I'm going to tell you what I feel. I'm going to tell you what I saw in film. And I'm going to tell you my truth. I'm going to tell you about what I think the truth is. My truth, at least. I think right now, these are a little bit better of a football team. But it's a weird game. Oh, it's a, football's a weird lady. That ball bounces. That ball's oblong. It bounces weird. Things can happen. Things can happen. People are going to say, well, we didn't have Tony Pollard in the second half of that football game. I get it. I hear you. Maybe it makes a difference. I hope it makes a difference. But we will see. But I have the Cowboys losing this game. I'm thinking somewhere around, I think it's a three and a half point, maybe a four point. Uh, Cowboys a four point, three point after a four point dog. It's at On the road, over under 45, I believe. Oh, I'm going to say... 24 20. 
Niners win the game. Close game. Good game. Instant classic game. Um, but I, I just think offensively they have a lot of weapons, man. They have a lot of weapons, a lot of things that you have to worry about controlling. And Brock Purdy's playing some pretty damn good football right now. So I don't know. I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. But we shall see. All right, let's get around around sports. I'll do my NFL picks. Go through the gauge of this weekend for the National Football League. I'm going to give some love. I'm going to give some love. Starting last night. The Chicago Bears. The Chicago freaking Bears. I told y'all, pack him up. I was, I pack, pack him up, pack up, pack all the way up Justin Fields. But Justin Fields showed up. That team showed up last night, defeated the Washington Commanders 40 to 20. Now, this could be a little bit of a false hope because when you look at his stats last night, he was 15 of 29 for 282 passing yards. Not one, not two, not three. Touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Lead the league in touchdown passes with 11. Justin Fields. Now, 230 of his yards went to DJ Moore. <laughs> so what a lot of other folks eating. DJ Moore had eight catches for 230 yards, three touchdowns. DJ Moore actually should have four touchdowns, but the, but the ref blew it, um, blew it dead. And they, conveniently, they never showed the replay. They never showed the replay from the outside. You know, when you watch those Sunday night games, they got cameras from every single angle. And they didn't show the other replay from the, the angle that would have showed us whether DJ Moore said that or not. I'm not saying it's conspiracy theory, but for the fantasy owners of DJ Moore, I know he already balled, but that extra touchdown would have really took you over the top. Need those points there on down the line. But Justin Fields, two weeks in a row, had, had good performances. Well, I should say he had a good first half performance against Denver. And then blew it in the second half and they lost. But he came out and they got their first dub of the year. So congrats to you, Justin Fields. Still not a believer. Still not a believer. Even, even a blind squirrel gets a nut. The sun shines on a dog's bottom every once in a while. You got you to gotta give me more, Justin Fields. You have to give me more. And I know there's a lot of Justin Fields love out there. I get it. I understand it. Got to give me more. But good start. You can't get a winning streak until you win your first game. You got it. You beat the commanders. You sacked, you sacked Sam Howell, I don't know how many times. He was sacked and turned the ball over. And I, I'm a Sam Howell fan. Not a homer, but Sam Howell, he's, he's coming along. But, but shout out to you, the Chicago Bears. Uh, you got Jags, Bills. That's in London. Excuse me, early game, 8.30 in the morning. Um, like the Jags, that's their second game in London. They stayed over in London. They played two. The Jags about to be in London. Khan's 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 their owner. Khan's about to put them in London. That's gonna be the first team to go to London. They're gonna build another team in Jacksonville. It's gonna be the London Jaguars or the London Leaning Tower. That's not. That's not. That's not London. It's London. That's Italy. The Big Bins. Is that in London? Where's the Big Ben? Is London? The the Jackson. They can't say Jacksonville. The 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 London Big Bins. The London clock, clock Towers. I got Buffalo winning this game. Buffalo has figured themselves out. They're, they're back in that conversation again. Josh Allen, they've put back in this media darling again, this MVP category conversation. 
I got the Bills over the Jaguars. Texans over the Falcons. C.J. Stroud came out last week, and he had a comment, and he talked about, we've been losing too much here in Houston. He said, that's not going to fly with me. This kid has poised. He said, I want to give Houston Texans fans something to be proud of. When y'all buy those shirts and those jerseys and those T-shirts and you put them on, I want you to be able to walk around the city, the state, anywhere that you go and be proud to be a Houston Texans fan. Now, it sounded great, and I like this kid. I think he is he's probably going to be the best out of the rookie quarterbacks in that, in that class that he came out with, with Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson and, and whoever else that was in that class. I like it. I, I, I like it. And for that, I'm going to give the Texans a nod. Texans over the Falcons because I like C.J. Stroud. I like his composure. And he may break the curse. He may break the curse of terrible Ohio State quarterbacks in the National Football League. Justin Fields is trying to break it down for him. But this kid might be the one. This kid might be the one that finally gives Ohio State to say, you know what? I know that we put out receivers and DBs and linebackers and quarterback. I mean, and cornerbacks and, and 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 running backs and all that kind of stuff. He might be the one that you can finally say, "Aha, we got a quarterback." I like C.J. Stroud. I like what he stands for. I like his composure, and then I, I like who he's with. I like his head coach. They they work well together. They work well together. He understands. He's patient with them, and he's setting up a defense that he, he's gonna he's gonna be okay. I, I'm I'm becoming slowly but surely a fan of C.J. Stroud, so I'm gonna give him the win over the Falcons. The Panthers 0 and 4 against the Fighting Dan Campbells. MCDC Motor City Dan Campbells. Detroit 3 and 1, 3 and 1. I like Detroit, man. Jared Goff's playing some good football. Give my boy Jameer Gibbs, give him a little bit more run. Come on. And I, I, I'm a fan of Jameer Gibbs only because he was coached by my brother, Tashar Choice, at Georgia Tech before he transferred to Alabama. So I'm going the fighting Dan Campbells, the kneecap biting Dan Campbells over the Panthers. Panthers, they're not. They're, they're trying to find a number one wide receiver. After the... This is the thing about the internet. If you say something on the internet, it lives forever. They had the owner, David Tepper, talking about in the offseason. We, we don't need a number one receiver. We got Bryce Young. He's a point guard. He'll figure it out. Listen, David Tepper, you need a quarterback and you need a number one wide receiver. So they're trying to get one for Bryce Young. Uh, Titans, Colts. Boy, what a booty game. That is the booty juice game of the week right there. Um, let's go Titans. I'm not even interested in that game. Giants-Dolphins. I think the Dolphins get back to their winning way. The Giants are bad. I didn't, And I, I, I talk about forever. If y'all go find it, I was talking real high on the Giants in the preseason. I thought they were going to put – I thought Daniel Jones in his second year with Brian Dayball was going to make the jump. And, boy, have they taken three steps back. They 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 have taken a lot of steps back. Saquon Barkley, I think, still will be out in this game. This if if Miami put up 70 on Denver, we might see another college score out of this one. I'm honestly, I honestly I'm telling you, we might see another college score out 
of this one. Because what Miami does offensively, yes, it's high-flying and it's innovative and it's, it's sexy and it's fun. They got a really good defense as well. Like, they're playing a good brand of football down in South Beach. It, 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 I don't know, Giants. Uh, this might get ugly for y'all. I got the Dolphins winning that game. Saints, Patriots. Mac Jones. Man. It's an even game. Derek Carr still out? I'm going with the I'm going with the dubs. I'm going with the fighting J Bows, the Jameis Winstons. I like Jameis. Jameis is funny. Jameis is unintentionally funny. Like he don't even know he's funny. But but he he finds a way to be funny. Derek Carr's questionable. I'm still gonna go with the Saints. Saints over the Patriots. This game used to matter back in the day. This, now, this game, Ravens-Steelers, this game historically has been the ice bath game. This has been the game after these two teams have played. It is ice bath time. You talk about physical. You talk about intense. You're talking about a rivalry. You're talking about I'm going to smack fire out you. This was it. I don't know if there's it right now. They want to fire Matt Canada, George Pickens, and, and, and Pickett. They ain't, they ain't vibing. I, I got the Ravens winning this one. Eagles, Rams, it's going to be an interesting game. I think the Rams continue. I'm sorry. I think the Eagles continue their winning ways. They go to 5-0. Rams go to 2-3. and They get Cooper Cup back this week. Cooper Cup and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Puka. Old Puka Kanua. He's hooping, man. He's halfway to 1,000 already in five, five weeks. He had 501 yards. Puka Kanua. I like that name. Good kid, man. Bengals Cardinals, the battle of one and three. Joe Burrow got to figure this thing out. The Cardinals may lose a lot of football games, but they are sneaky competitive. They, they are sneaky. Gannon has gotten this team to be sneaky competitive. And, and and guys like Josh Dobbs and James Conner, they, they, they're playing some good football. I, I will say that they don't have enough talent to win a lot of games. They have great effort. They got a good scheme. But they just don't have the dog. They, they don't have enough names. They don't have enough notable names that kind of can take them over the top. Like Josh Dobbs is a good kid, good quarterback. He'll be a journeyman in this league. He's in a journeyman in this league. He'll be around for 15 years as a backup. He, he, you're not going to win a lot of games with Josh Dobbs as your quarterback. You're saying like, whoa, they beat the Cowboys. All right, you got me. You got me. But this team's going to be competitive. But I got the Bengals beating the Cardinals. Oh, you talk about bad, bad football. Jets Broncos. I don't even care who wins this game. Not even commenting. I don't even care. I do. I am. I am. I'm good. I hope that Zach Wilson you back up the performance that you had last week against the Chiefs, you play that well again. I'm I'm rooting for you, kid. I, I'm hoping that you put it together again. But if you if the pumpkin, if the if the if the cart goes back to a pumpkin, I'm packing you up too. You and Justin Fields, it'll be a two-pack. It'll be a two-packed up quarterbacks. I'm packing both of you jokers up. But I'm rooting for you, kid. I'm rooting for you, Zach Wilson, to do what we saw you do a week ago. Chiefs, Vikings. Three and one versus one and three. That'll be the Chiefs. I already gave you my Cowboys Niner prediction. That's going to be the game of the week. And then you end it off on Monday Night Football Packers Raiders. I will never, ever, ever 
cheer or vote in a positive manner for any team led by Josh McDaniels. Sorry, he is overrated. Um, maybe this is personal for me because I had him in New England and he didn't treat me well in New England. But I, I just think that Josh McDaniels is not a good football coach. And he keeps getting these head coaching jobs. Like, I just, like, there's some other people that should have head coaching football jobs that don't have them. And they keep giving Josh McDaniels jobs because I, I don't, I don't know why he ain't bringing Bill Belichick. And by the way, Bill Belichick, we about to pack you up too, bruh. We, 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 we getting close. No disrespect. I say this about Bill Belichick. I say it respectfully because you are, you got, you got your wins. I'm not going to take that. But Bill, we about to pack you up. You and your boy. You and Josh. I will never, I will never, never root for Josh McDaniels' team to win. Never. So, with that being said, give me the Packers. Give me the Packers. <laughs> give me the Packers in that game. I'm never going to root for a team. I just, I am. I'm not. I just, I just, not a good coach. And he keeps getting jobs. And it really, really, it makes me upset. It really does makes me upset that, that, that he gets jobs. Because he shouldn't, he shouldn't have jobs. Be a coordinator somewhere. Oh, cool. I'm fine with that. But but the way that you keep getting these jobs, man, I I, I just I'm never I'm never really fully bought into to you being a head coach. You just haven't been good. All right, those are my picks of the NFL. Moving to college football. Free Tez Walker till it's spelled backwards. Tez Walker is free. The NCAA came to a decision that gives Tez Walker, North Carolina Tar Heels receiver, immediate eligibility. They had previously said because of the two-transfer rule, which they actually got the paperwork in before the two-transfer rule and everything that the two-transfer rule was standing about and that did not apply to Tez Walker, but they still made him ineligible. Missing four games in the season. Tar Heels still had to handle business. The Tar Heels are 4-0. But this weekend, they get Tez Walker back. The NCAA came out and said, with new, my air quotes, information that they received from the, from the North Carolina Tar Heels, changed their decision. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what the new information was that, that, that the NCAA got. The NCAA found out that you were about to get sued. Because what you were doing was not only unlawful, but it was also unethical, unfair, um, egregious, and illegal. Because there are many other terms and many other players that you actually had with similar situations or worse than what Tez Walker was that you made eligible. So they're going to hide behind... The fact that they um, got new information. This is see, this is the, this is the cowardness that the NCAA works with. You 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 come and you pick and choose where and when you're going to be able to um, um, flex your authority. And little do you know that you're losing the authority that you once had. In fact, you just about lost it all. And now you try to kind of you try to create these issues and problems to kind of show the world and the in the nation that hey we're, NCAA, we're the NCAA we still have power we still have say so and you don't you do not you do not have the staying power that you 
thought you had or you once had. NCAA, we're packing you up, buddy. We're packing you up. You know also what's sweet about this? This is, this is a glowing endorsement for UNC Law. You know why? Five of the six lawyers involved in a Tez Walker case have connections to UNC. Elliot Abrams, UNC grad, Georgetown Law. Short Miles, UNC, graduate of UNC, went to Campbell Law. Will Grayby, App State, UNC Law. Chris Gabby, he went to Wabash College, went to UNC Law. Swain Wood, he's the other one who didn't go to any affiliation with uh, UNC at all. But UNC, we got, we outside. We ain't just a basketball school, we ain't just a football school. We got the brains. I know what you're going to say, but y'all should do them classes. I know what you're going to say, but what about them classes? Eh, what's in the past is the past. The NCAA tried to see. The NCAA even having it out for us. They figured out, oh, that 05 class was, was had them classes. No, 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 no. Can't get us, man. Not us. But yeah, man, um, Tez Walker is free, eligible to play right now, immediately. Quick statement from Tez Walker. He said, I am excited and thankful that NCAA has granted me granted my eligibility to play this season. This hasn't been easy, but I'm looking forward to putting in uh, in the past and moving forward. I also knew that UNC was a special place and it's it proved it over and over again throughout the last few months. I received so much support from the university, the athletic department, my coaches, the staff, my teammates, and most of all, I felt so much love from the fans. Whether it was people trying to pick me up on social media or fans chanting uh, for me at the games, I felt supported and felt and can't tell you how much it has meant to me. I can't wait to put on that jersey. He wore number nine. Guess who also wore to wear number nine at the University of North Carolina and play receiver? I can't wait to put that jersey on and run out the tunnel and play in Keenan Stadium. I have, I have been dreaming of this for a long time, and now it will be a reality. See everyone on Saturday. So, Tez Walker, brother. Fellow number nine wearer. Fellow freak pride. Freak, freak! Those that know, know what the freak pride means at UNC. Nothing nasty, y'all. Get your, It means freak is, is a term. It means this is way before me, and people are going to say, well, so much for that law school degree. Freak means fresh receiver exciting all crowds with a K smoothly. So when we say freak pride, it means freaks. That's what we call ourselves, the freaks. Fresh receivers exciting all crowds smoothly. So when I say freak, freak, I ain't talking about nothing nasty. I know y'all always think I'm talking about stuff nasty. I didn't talk about nothing nasty. That's what it means at UNC for, uh, for the receiver. So, shout out to Tez Walker. Shout out to Mac Brown and UNC for going all the way. NCAA, you new information. Nah, y'all knew y'all was about to get sued. Um, so yeah, absolutely happy for Tez Walker, man. I hope that he balls out. I hope that he balls out, man, and really. And now the question is, does this year count towards eligibility? Because he missed four games already. Does he get? I, I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe he may try to go for a sixth year in college or a seventh year. You know, but probably isn't going like, uh-uh, we gave you one extra year when you shouldn't have had it. I don't know. But he missed four games. They should, they should, I don't, he'll never get those games back, and it may hurt if he decides to go into the NFL draft. That may hurt his draft. I don't know. I don't know. He could have been a Heisman hopeful. I don't, I don't know. But right now, when he entered into the lineup, he becomes the best threat that the Cowboys have in that aerial attack um, with Drake May at quarterback. So I'm, I'm excited to see Drake. Oh, Drake. I'm excited to see Tez back on the football field this weekend. Congrats to you. Um, speaking about players, I, I, I have a question. I don't know if I have a true answer just yet. But this has kind of been in the media. I did the segment the other day, the spicy. I don't mind a little spicy in my life, but it got me to thinking a little bit. When it comes to player criticism, and I know that we live in this world and day and time now where um, everybody wants to criticize, everyone, everybody wants to be uh, the judge, jury, executioner, especially when it comes to sports. But I, I begin to ask myself, when it comes to this player criticism, and, and kind of what spurred this on uh, for me is I, I looked at, and I'm 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 not separating myself from this conversation because I criticize players. I just told you I'm packing I'm packing Justin Fields up. I don't try to make it personal. I try to make my criticism strictly performance based. But we live in this day and time now, especially with the expansion of social media, where now everybody has. The ability to criticize. And so I, I, I start to ask myself, and I know that there's a cultural difference in a lot of this. That's not cultural. Not the right word, Jesse. There is a generational difference in this because, you know, there, there are people of the older age group that may be a little bit more thick skin than others. A lot of the new age athletes, and I, I think I'm in between, somewhere in between there, um, a little more thin-skinned. But then again, they, they, they are more under the bright lights of social media and criticism. And I look at things like the other night, Zach Wilson plays the best game of his life. And in the postgame, uh, Chris Jones, the defensive tackle from the Chiefs, comes out and he's being interviewed by Rodney Harrison. And Rodney is literally on national TV. Like, he's trying to bait Chris Jones in the same, but he's like calling Zach Wilson a scrub. You get on the national shows a few years ago, talk about criticism. I don't even want to say his name, but Skip Bayless on FS1, when Dak Prescott was dealing with some mental health issues, now remember all that he's been through, and he kind of talked about it openly, and then Chris, and then Skip comes on national TV and says, I don't know if I want my franchise starting quarterback to have mental health issues. What? But then you have some instances where players, they get a little sensitive. Little, little, little thin skin, a little soft. This weekend, this past weekend, excuse me, Evan Neal, right tackle of the New York Football Giants. This team has been playing bad. And normally, especially, and this isn't with all sports, but it gets a little bit more harsh in, in, in the um, 
in the in the in the East Coast, East Coast has been known for their harsh criticism of their sports teams. But Evan Neal has been playing bad. They gave up, I think, 10 or 11 sacks in the last game. And so the Giants fan began to boo. I mean, the Philadelphia fans threw batteries at Santa Claus. They cheered Michael Irvin getting pulled off the field in the stretcher. So East Coast is a little different breed. But they booed the Giants and the offensive line and the quarterback and the players in general. And they sucked. They sucked. And instead of Evan Neal kind of embracing that, you know what? They're right. They have the right to boo. Tickets are expensive. Now, you, you don't have a right to, uh, uh, you don't, uh, as a fan, as a fan, fan, you don't have a right to physically touch a player. You don't have a right to inject yourself physically onto the game. You don't have a right to touch anyone's family. You have every right to boo and say whatever you want. If you bought a ticket to that game, which are expensive at MetLife, by the way, you can boo, you can cheer. If you choose to cuss, you can cuss. Now, if you put your hands on somebody, I think fire should get smacked out of you. It is my personal opinion. You should never put your hands on another person. That ain't your child. Don't put your hands on anybody. But if you want to boo, boo. Evan Neal got booed and his team got booed this weekend, this past weekend. And Evan Neal's response was this. The people that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Most critics really don't understand the game of football to the level that we understand it in this building. So why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of sheep? A little sensitive there, Evan Neal. In my opinion, if you're not performing well, and it's obvious to see that, Evan, you haven't been performing well. They have every right to boo. So I'm in this, I'm stuck in this conundrum of, is it right? Is it not right? Is the media too harsh? Fans too harsh? Are players too sensitive? Because after Evan Neal said that, WFAN radio host Don LaGreca, he went off. He went off and said, are you kidding me? I'd cut his butt, but he said the A word. I would. How dare you? The people pay your salary. The people the pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs. That means for your uh, uh, season tickets. To sit there and watch this crap and you call them hamburger flippers? What makes you so much better? I'd rather have a guy flipping hamburgers block than your piece of garbage A-word. Who the hell are you to talk to the fans, you piece of garbage? Then he went on and said, if you see him at the mall, boo him. If you see him at the Pro Bowl, boo him. This is the radio host talking about Evan Neal. And I thought to myself, you know, Evan Neal, I thought you, I thought you a little bit, thought you a little bit 
sensitive when you said that. But then I thought, ugh, you called him a garbage piece of, ugh, that's, that's tough. Of course, Evan Neal came back out with an apology. But I asked a question. And I know that now we live in this world of social media where there are people, our world today, and I'm not standing on my soapbox as the moral compass of emotions and sensitivity and compassion, but our society in general has become vile. And maybe it's, more, maybe it's always been that way. But now with the addition of social media, we get the it's in our face. The nastiness is in our face. And you get on social media and these people who sit behind keyboards, a lot of them are just professional trolls. They get it. They say it to me all the time. Don't break my soul. You won't break my soul. You. But to others, it may. I've always said, unless you got pictures of me getting out of a cold shower or a swimming pool, that's the only thing you got against me. If you got pictures of me getting out of the cold tub or getting out of a swimming pool, you got me. Boy, you're going to hurt my feelings if you put those out in the media. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be hurt because it caught me on shriveled time. But that's it for me. Nothing else can really break my soul. But there are other people where you, they, they get on this, these apps and they spew this vile, ignorant, hateful things. You've seen some of the emails that people have gotten. You've seen some of the DMs that people, I mean, death threats. So I kind of, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't know if it's kind of, you know, what came first that the chicken or the egg, is it the players are too sensitive? The media fans too harsh. Just, I don't know if there's an equal balance, but I know that there's a thing it's out there and maybe it's both. Maybe the answer is yes. Is the media too harsh or player too sensitive? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe they are both of them. Do I see it coming to an end? No. No, but I just thought about that, man. Like this, it's just the player criticism. It's, it's becoming a thing and people are beginning to lash out in some very, 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 very vile ways, man. I don't know. We we've lost a lot of compassion in this world. Um, it takes a lot to play football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, whatever it is. It takes a lot. And I get the frustration that fans, I mean, to go to an AT&T game, a family of two or three or four, we're talking about the better part of $1,500, if not more, two grand, depending on where you're sitting. I mean, tickets alone in the second level are going to cost you three, $400 a pop. There's $1,600 right there on tickets. They're going to bust you for $100 in the parking lot to park. And then if you're feeding the family at the game, that's another three, four hundred dollars. You got a couple beers, a couple drinks, that's another. I mean, we're talking about two thousand, three thousand dollars a game. So I get it. You come to these games, you want to see performance. But boy, understand, man. And, I, I, and I'm not caping or capping for the for the players, caping. I'm not. But when we take that helmet off, we're human. You can try to act like nothing bothers you, but 
It does. We're human. And it's 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 okay. We we athletes are put on this pedestal as these mythical creatures. Because we're tall, we're big, we're fast, we're athletic. But I mean, it hurts. It some of the stuff hurts. It hurts, it does. But this is like that we chose, and I get it. We get paid an ungodly amount of money. And I shouldn't say we, they do, because I didn't. I got good money. I got good money. But I don't know, man. Maybe you guys can answer the questions. You can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, at Mr. Fourth and Long. Leave the comments on YouTube. Make sure you watch all the way through. And leave the comments, because it's it's a vile place, man. It's a very, very vile, vile place. All right, let's talk about a little bit of NBA. NBA season is here. I got to give a shout-out, and I'm not a huge fan of this player, but I'm going to give a shout-out to him. LeBron James, entering twenty-first, entering his 21st season, 38 years old, officially the oldest active player in the NBA. LeBron James, I got to give you your credit, brother. Not a fan of the way you've bounced around and made these super teams begin to happen. Yes, I'm saying you. Don't, don't tell me what happened. Nah, I'm saying you, LeBron. But I got to give you credit, bro. You have been the standard of durability in the National Football National Football League, National Basketball Association. What you do for your body should be, honestly, it really should be documented and made into a masterclass. LeBron James has been publicly known to spend over a million dollars a year. Now, I know everybody, everybody can't spend a million, but LeBron. Spent over a million, spends over a million dollars a year on his body. And you have to understand, when you become a professional athlete, this body is, you only get one. You, you, you only get one. And so what he's been able to do with that, with, with his preparation, and this, this I've known LeBron, his, his, not, I don't know LeBron, let me, stop, let me stop that. I don't know LeBron, but I've known of his work ethic for a very long time. But it was something that stood out to me about a year and a half ago, maybe a year or so ago, maybe two years ago. Summer league game. This is how you can tell when a person is really about what they say. Because when what do they do when no one's looking? Or they think no one is looking. And LeBron James is in Vegas at a summer league game. And he's sitting courtside. And you think to yourself, man, it's midday. And this is LeBron James. And he gets hungry. What does he do? You can tell one of my handlers, hey, get me a pretzel. Get me a glizzy. No ketchup on the glizzy. Ketchup's trash. Get me a glizzy. Break it in half for me because I'm not going to put the whole glizzy in my mouth in public. <laughs> hey, get me some nachos, cheese. Give me some chicken fingers and fry basket. You know, the, the, the normal game stuff that you get. The camera pants to LeBron James and LeBron James is sitting... This is LeBron James. This is... LeBron James, the camera pans of LeBron James, and what is he doing eating at courtside? Some assorted nuts. Pause. But it's in a Ziploc bag like he brought it from home. Like, that's intentional. It wasn't like they stopped at 7-Eleven or, 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 or Quick Check or Bucky's or something like that and got something from there. No, he, he, he intentionally... Said, I'm going out. If I get hungry and want a snack, my snack of choice, because I care about what goes into my body, will be this. And I was like, he's serious about what he does. Well, shout out to LeBron, uh, 21 season, 38 years old. 
Man, he's been doing it for a long time. Shout out to you, LeBron. Not a like not a total fan of yours. I'm I am a fan of LeBron the man though. LeBron the man, the husband, the father. No blemishes on his record. No blemishes on LeBron record as a dad, as a husband. Think about that. Like in the world of controversy, in the world of 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 skeletons in the closet, LeBron James has been the most recognizable NBA player since he's been 16 years old. No blemishes. That's big. That's big, LeBron. I'm going to give you credit, brother. It's big. Shout out to you, 21st season, man. All the best to you. Hopefully you get a chance to play with your son in a year or so, but uh, we'll see. Joel Embiid, reigning MVP of the NBA, 76er center, has decided he's going to play basketball in the Olympics for the USA. Born in Cameroon, Cameroon, excuse me, dual citizenship, has citizenship in France, could have played for Cameroon, could have played for France. He said, and I quote, I'm playing for Team USA because I want to put Team USA in international basketball back in a place of dominance. Admirable, Joel. Admirable. So Joel Embiid has declared that if they will have him, he said on Tuesday, talked to, uh, to Grant Hill, was kind of putting all this stuff together, that he would. And it's been rumors that the, that the NBA, of course, you saw what they put out there this year outside of Ann Edwards uh, on that USA team that went out to the uh, World Games. The NBA is talking about, hey, LeBron and Steph and, and Kyrie and uh, – you know, all the, all the top NBA dogs saying, nah, we're going to have to do what we had to do. Kind of like almost like Redeem Team 2.0. But Joel Embiid has put his name in the hat of NBA players that will be playing for the USA in the Olympics. What is that, 2024? 2024. Nice. There's a, there's a Drew Holiday story that I don't think we have time to get into. I'll bring that back. I'll bring it back next week. But there's a Drew Holiday story that I want to get into. It's interesting. It's an interesting story. Because, again... While, while, while players in professional sports are looked at as these invincible people, you have to really understand that they're human first and that this is a business. But I'll get, I don't have time, but I'll get into that story. It's not going anywhere. It's still a story that needs to be told. Um, I'll tell y'all, we are not having a show unless we're talking about Deion Sanders. Here's my Deion Sanders segment. Deion Sanders on the cover of Prime, Prime Magazine. On the cover of, yeah, it's, it's Prime Magazine. It's, it's on the cover of Prime, no, on the cover of Time Magazine. Deion is the most polarizing figure in all the sports right now. I don't care what sports you cover. It is not a more polarizing figure than Deion Sanders. It is a, Deion Sanders... Nine months at Colorado. I know his young son was named Bucky, Dion Jr. He 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 records everything. They he needs to sell. He needs to package his DVDs up and sell the documentary of Coach Prime. It's a masterclass the way he's done this, and everybody can't do it. He has changed the game of college football. Like we've never seen before. But Dion on the cover of Time magazine. Another interesting thing. The Peach Bowl. 
The Peach Bowl was visiting Dion and company last week as they took on USC. Now, there's rules about who can go to the Peach Bowl. You got to be uh, top 12 team, I believe it is, and, 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 and some other things. But Dion and the Pac-12, the Pac-12 has kind of said, you know what? We may be looking into Dion and the Colorado Buffs coming to the Peach Bowl. The Peach Bowl is one of the most prestigious bowls in college football and traditionally matches up two top 10 teams in Atlanta. But they said, however, due to the viewership, the massive viewership of the Buffs, it would, it would deliver better TV ratings. And it is always. Never, never let them tell you that it's not about the money. It is always about the bread. So they're saying that Buffalo could have better ratings for a bowl game than other top teams like USC and Alabama. Whew. So they're considering it. There are some things, you know, uh, it says usually non-college football uh, participants, New York six-day bowls like the Peach Bowl are filled with top 12 teams and that the non the top non-six New Year bowls are freely invites whoever want them. So the scenario of a six and six Colorado team could only get invited to a bowl like the Alamo Bowl. So it all depends on how the season ends for Colorado. What are they right now? Three and two? Three and two. Gotta get the six wins. They still they got a good, they got a big game this weekend against Arizona State, who took USC to the limit last two weeks ago. But if the buffs become bowl eligible, there may be an opportunity where they can play in a, a much bigger bowl game than they will actually be able to play in because of the prime effect, the viewership. I told you guys, four out of the five college football games that have been played this year, the only other one that they did not get, and they were right on the heels of LSU, Florida State, that played a Sunday night football game before the NFL season kicked off. The other game, top viewership, has belonged to the Colorado Buffaloes. Four out of the five college football games this year, the Buffaloes of Colorado have the most viewership. So it's always, always about the money. All right, and we're going to end this show today with story time with Jay Holly. We all know what this game means this weekend. Cowboys Niners playing in Levi Stadium in the Bay, San Francisco. Was it San Francisco? Yeah. Somewhere they playing it. Um, where are they playing at? Now I'm all. Yeah, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. There we go. Sarah Clara. This game, as you can tell by my shirt, if you cannot see, the iconic Tony Romo, broken ribs, punctured lung game. I want to take you guys, some of you have already heard this, some of you have not. This play always gets talked about whenever the, the 49ers and the Cowboys play. This is my most famous play in the National Football League. But this was an interesting day for OJ Holly. Let's harken back. During that time, the week one game was a game 9-11 against the Jets. Des Bryant was our star receiver. Heard his quad in that game, was questionable for the Niners game. Ended up not playing in that game. We go into that game and all week long, OJ Holly, I was actually in the conversation with the ones. I was finally getting my shot. Here I am. Practice squad, fourth and long, worked my way up to now. I'm I'm a player. Practice all week. I'm like, hey man, I'm telling my people back home. I'm like, listen, 
The boy's out there. I'm outside. I'm with the ones. We go 11 personnel, you're going to see 16 out there. Minutes before the game, I mean minutes before the game, coach comes up and he goes, he's talking to Kevin Ogletree and he says, Kevin, on this personnel, this personnel, you're going to go over here, which was my position. I said, well, if he's coming to my position, where am I going? And he said, well, we're going to go with Dwayne Harris, not Jesse Holly. And when I tell you guys I was devastated, I, cr I literally cried. Maybe I am a sensitive athlete. Maybe, maybe I do fall in the category of sensitive. And I cried. I was so, I'm like, man. And I remember my good friend, John Kittner, coming up to me and he's saying, do you have a uniform? I'm like, yeah, Kit, but man, it's just not fair. What more do I have to do? He said, you have a uniform and you're going to play today one way or another. Special teams captain, you're going to get out there. You can have an impact on this football game. Always be ready. Whatever. We go out there and the game is going on. It's a good game. That particular Niners team, I believe, with Colin Kaepernick, went to the Super Bowl. Or at least to the AFC Champion, I mean to, to the NFC Championship game. I think they went to the Super Bowl. Good, good football team. A back and forth game all day long. Miles Austin is doing his thing. Uh uh Jason Witten is doing his thing. Tashar Choice is doing the defense. Is, I mean, this is a back and forth football game. It was 2011. So yeah, you're looking it up. Lost NFC Championship. NFC Championship game. Okay. The Giants, they who, who went on and won the Super Bowl. They beat the Patriots. I mean, back and forth, good game. Still, no snaps for OJ Holly on offense. But I, I'm keeping a clear mindset. I'm keeping of I'm keeping of that that you know what? Kitch right. I have an opportunity to impact this game. Maybe I'll block a punt. Maybe I'll pick up a fumble. Maybe I'll do what I did in Minnesota and a punt will bounce to me and I'll take it 82 yards for a touchdown. Who knows? But I have, a, I have uniform one. I can impact this game. And the game goes on and on and on. And Tony Romo gets knocked out. Out of the game is in the locker room. We later find out that he, bro he broke his ribs and punctured his lung. What a tough SOB Tony Romo is. John Kittner comes in, has over 100 yards, throws a touchdown. I mean, this game is a great game. Instant classic. We get late into this football game. And now we're battling. And Coach Garrett and company has had enough of Dwayne Harris. Get Dwayne the hell out of the game. Where's Holly? Ready, Coach. I'm ready. Put me into the game. We're driving in the fourth quarter, trying to make itself, uh, trying to make ourselves, you know, put ourselves in a position to win this football game. I know we all talk about the 77 yard catch. But I had two really big catches on third down, two slants that he threw. I, was, I mean, I plucked them off the ground to keep the drive alive. We actually kicked the field goal to go into overtime. Tony comes back in the game. But while we're on that final drive, headed to get to overtime, Miles Austin comes in the huddle. And he looks at me and he goes, Holly Grove, I'm done. I said, what do you mean you're done? We're about to go to overtime, bro. He said, my hamstrings, I know this is triggering to some of y'all, Miles Austin hamstrings. My hamstrings are done. I said, what? I said, Miles, if we don't, we don't have Dez, if we don't have you, we're cooked. We're done. Pack us up. He's like, hey, it is what it is. I can't run anymore. Dan Bailey comes in, kicks the field goal. We go into overtime. 
no Des Bryant, no Miles Austin. At the time, we don't quite know what's going on with, with, with Tony, but he's hurt. He is hurting. We lose the coin toss. So our defense goes on the field first. They stop him. Now, here's why I come into the game and I go, there's my chance. This is what John Pickett was talking about. Coach is going to call a punt block. I'm going to block this punt and change the game, and my name will be in stars. Coach Jody Camillas calls punt safe. No opportunity to block the punt. We fair catch the punt, and we go back out there in the offense. Now, this iconic picture right here, you'll see where Tony Romo is talking to me on the sideline prior to us going on the field for the final drive in overtime. And he's talking to me, and, and, and people always ask me, well, what did he say? I do not know. I don't know. The entire time that he's talking to me, I'm over-talking him. And I'm just telling Tony, I'm ready. I'm ready, Tony. Whatever he's saying, and you can tell on the, on the field he's mouthing something, and I'm, but you can see my head going, and I'm like, I'm ready, Tony. I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever he's saying, I'm telling him, I'm ready. If he could have said, I'm going to throw a grenade, jump on it, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. We get the ball, we go back on the field, we huddle up. I am standing right next to Tony Romo. And I can, for most of you that don't know, when you see a coach put the, the, the thing over his microphone, every quarterback has, a, has, a, has a, a speaker in his helmet. And that's how they communicate with the office coordinator. And I'm standing right next to Tony, and I can hear Jason Garrett call the play in. And he called 585 Harvey. It's a route that I hate. One of the most basic routes in the route tree. But he calls 585 Harvey. Jason Garrett is going conservative. Go figure. But Tony's hurt. He's bruised. He's battered. We're in overtime. He's ready to get the hell up out of here. Tony shakes his head. He says, all right, guys, F it. But he didn't say F it. He said the real word. All right, guys, F it. Let's go win this game. And he called the play, called Z. Poker. So he's he 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 shook off whatever Jason Garrett called the 585 and we ran Z Poker. Now what's interesting about Z Poker is Z Poker is a specialized play that only Miles Austin runs. It is a play that was put into the playbook specifically for Miles Austin. Because the first option in this play is Miles Austin. The second option in this play is Miles Austin. The third option in this play is Miles Austin. The fourth option, throw it in the stands and we go to second down. That's literally how this play is supposed to be run. So we get in the huddle. He makes the call and we go. I don't know about child, but you ever have that moment when you go, wait a second. And as I'm going to get lined up, I remembered. Z poker. Hey, I'm the Z. This play is actually coming to me. But I'm ready. I already told Tony I'm ready. We go out there. You hear Tony in the audio, kill, 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 kill. It was a two play that he called in there. It was a run play. Class killed the Z poker. Safety creeps down. Kill, 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 kill. Here comes Z poker. And he throws it. And the ball is coming. And I see it coming. I'm like, come on, come on. And I catch it. And I promise y'all, it was a really hot day in, in, in San Francisco that day. And I catch it. And I'm running. 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 And I gave everything that I had. I was at top speed. I didn't know that he was going to keep chasing me. I thought that he would have given up, Dante Whitner, But he didn't. And I can hear him breathing. 
<laughs> and I'm breathing. <laughs> I'm trying to get there, y'all. I promise you. I'm trying to get there. And people are like, why are you holding the ball like that? Because if I had tucked that ball away, he'd have caught me 10 yards ago, 15 yards ago. So I'm trying to run. I, when, anybody that's ever been an athlete and you know, when you run and your head's back and you no form, you tired. I'm just trying to get home. I get tackled at the one-yard line, and it's great because if you know my story, when I was a security guard in Durham, North Carolina, I had a moment with God where I was on my hands and knees, and I looked up to God, and I asked God, what do you want from me? Like I was at my lowest moment, and I was on my hands and knees, and I asked God, what do you want from me? And that was my turning point in my life. And I get tackled at the one-yard line. And while it was significant to me because if I score a touchdown, we automatically win. Everybody rushes the crowd. I don't get a chance to do what I did. But when you watch this play, you watch me on my hands and on my knees, arms up to God. And the same position that I was in working as a security guard, I was now in the National Football League. And I'm praising God, saying, glory, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm not worthy of this moment. And that's what that that was the greatest moment for me. And then we get back on the plane and we're going home. We find out Tony broke his ribs and punctured his lung. And he's sitting on the plane and he had his headphones on. And he's slumped down in his seat and he's like, tired, broken, battered. And I go to the back to use the bathroom of the plane. And all the vets usually sit in the back in their solo seats. Us peons, we had to share seats up front. And I go by and I tap Tony on the shoulder. Kind of lifts his head up, takes his headphones off. And I said, why did you change the play? Because I heard the play that Jason Garrett called. Jason Garrett called 585 Harveys. Why did you change the play? In Romo, in great Romo fashion, he looks at me. He gives you that smile with a dimple. And he simply just said to me, you told me you were ready. And he put his headphones back on. And he slumped back in his seat. And I went back to my seat. And that's the backstory of the San Francisco 77-yard catch. Told Romo I was ready, and he trusted me. So let that be a lesson to some of y'all. When preparation and opportunity meets, you have success. All right, man, that'll do it for me. Thank you guys for joining me. Episode 21 with Unfiltered with Jesse. Holly, thank you so much. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Make me a part of your everyday life. I'm ready. I'm ready to be a part of your every... Like I told Tony, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Make Jay Holly a part of your everyday listening. Sound... Uh, not SoundCloud. Is it on SoundCloud? No. I'm not a SoundCloud rapper. I'm a podcaster. Uh, Spotify, Apple, all the other places. Leave a five-star comment. Leave a comment. Mr. Fourth Along, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Look, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Throw me the rock. Don't give me a chance. Give me a chance to earn your listening pleasure. I thank you guys so much, man. Remember, never let anyone say that their life is better than yours because it's your life. Eliminate the contingencies. Whoa!